and welcome to yet another edition of Get It Right with Mike and Trey. It's almost like Get It Right because we have the exclamation point, right? It does. So it's not, it's not Get It Right? You know, that would be the question mark. Get it right. Yeah. There's a oh, lot of reasons I, to call get it right. Exactly. Well, yeah, you know, one reason. Usually, we're normally right. Well, correct. Yeah, uh, we, we we want as in right and, as in correct. And, and some would say we're a little right leaning, a little, uh, <laughs> a little, you know, slightly right of a tail of the hun, perhaps even. There you uh, go. But, you know, and um, and you're right for being here. Ah, there you go. See, see, you've made the right choice. Yeah, ah, <laughs> right choice to listen. I keep, I keep, keep going here, but I don't want to eat up all the time. Listen, listen, <sighs> no thanks to Facebook. Oh, God. Cowardly bastards. We tried to boost this. Oh, that's right. It's pod. I can say that. Yeah. Broadcast can't say that. No, we tried to boost our, our Facebook posts. Yes. You know, we made a little Facebook page. If you if you check check us out, and and uh, we're on Buzzsprout is where yes. you can catch this. Yes. Uh, by the way, today is six thirty when we're recording this. I'm not yeah. sure when it'll drop. Yeah. We're going to try to drop one every Wednesday. Yeah. At six thirty, recording this. Uh, six thirty, which was June the thirtieth. Yeah. Not six thirty in the evening. It's actually five fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Well. But Buzzsprout <laughs> is where it'll post. But then we have a Facebook page. We create a Facebook page. Right. That Facebook allowed us to create. Yeah. So then. Put the link on there and go, hey, Mr. Facebook, here's 50 bucks. Let's Why don't you it. boost this for us? And yeah. they said, "Yet." <laughs> they turned down our money. And why did they do that, Mike? Would you like to know why, Mike? Well, gee, I, I guess it probably has something to do with what we talked about. It's one of those things. You <sighs> think if we called, you know, I, I don't know, if we called it, Lance and Larry leaning left that the, 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 they would they would <laughs> keep us while that or leaning leaning slightly uh, left or way uh, to the left yeah. it's it's one of those deals it's like we tried to boost it and by the way pick categories that they have exactly. political talk political uh, broadcast radio or talk radio is one of their categories that's right that's right and they know full well that most of these political Ask broadcast, and we're not all just politics here, no, you know. No, no. We're here to entertain. But you know, they know that if politics comes into it, it's probably very conservative politics, or at least conservative leaning politics. They know this going into it, and they still, it just it, it's the spineless nature of their behavior is unbelievable. Well, the good news is they're finally being called out by some of the left-leaning people, some of the louder people on the left, the Bill Mars and that sort of thing, uh-huh. are calling them out finally about this Wuhan virus thing and, and covering all that up. Yep. And the Hunter Biden and covering all that up. That's right. Because even some of those lefty liberals who hate Trump, but they still love America, yep. like your traditional, and I say leftists, they're, they're more liberals, like the Bill Mars and those guys. They're more classically liberal, but they yeah. were just... They leaned too far left because they hated Trump, but they're more liberal type people. They still love America, yeah, and they're pissed because of the kind of crap that Google and Facebook are doing. Yeah, and they they see what's happening here, and how how off the rails everything has become, and the hypocrisy of the left knows no limits, man. It just knows no limits. They they simply they're they're I don't, they're blinded by their own rage. 
And they are. They're just they're constantly in a rage about something oh, all yeah. the time. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the one of the requirements to be a lefty uh, in America today is you've got to be pissed off and raging about something twenty four seven. There's got to be some sort of you know, I guess in their mind it's right, righteous indignation or something. Well, look at the squad. All four oh, of those God. those women have been that they get on TV and they go. Wah, 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 wah. Mm-hmm. You know, just one after another. Yeah. And it's all rage, and they are all liberal idiots. Yes. And by the way, they're being pretty minimized by their party. If you know real if you recognize that, <clears throat> yeah. the party was scared of them about a year, eighteen to 12, 12 to eighteen months ago. They're not that scared of the, those three, those forty more because they realize they really are just four loud people that have really not much con- real constituents. Well, I got a th- I got a theory on that. I got a theory on that. Okay. I think that the what's left of the old guard of the Democratic Party, and there's not much of that left, and the more moderate centrist arm of the Democratic Party, and there is a moderate centrist arm. Take Joe Manchin, for example. Cinema and Manchin come, I, both come I, to mind. I think both very much centrist. Um, I think they're looking at 2022 and beyond, and they're going, hey, these guys over here, gals, whatever, over here, they are marginalizing everybody. That's right. They are marginalizing everybody that, that has traditionally supported us. And if we don't start leaning back into them a little bit, we're going to lose every gain we've made. And I think they're going to lose the gains anyway. you got a four-seat majority in the House, and it's a 50-50 split in the Senate. It's a, it's a paper-thin decision right now in 2022. So... But I think they're looking at the squad and going, these they're nuts, and they are they are marginalizing this party. They're pushing away everybody that has traditionally ever supported us. Right. We're going to lose all of the middle that's left in the Democratic Party. What little there may be, they're going to lose it all. I, I agree with you. And so the good news is people are pushing back. Yeah. And people from the left are pushing back yeah. because it's going to be harder to call them racist, homophobic, Nazi, uh, aphobes and this aphobes and that aphobes. Like they, they, they just roll that crap off their lips oh, yeah. for, for everybody on the right. Like us, yeah. we're, we're Nazi, racist, homophobic, Islamophobic, uh, xenophobic. They just, they just vomit that shit off their, their, their lips. They like, do. like it, it doesn't matter. It, they, they, they don't care about facts. No, they don't care about history. They don't care about about statistics that they don't care about anything that is the least bit factual in any way. They want, they want to create their own reality. They, they want this. Uh, well, they know it's unattainable, but they've got a certain, a, a certain segment of society convinced that they can create some sort of socialist utopia in which everyone has it all equal. Everybody's got the four-bedroom, $400,000, $500,000 home. Everybody's driving a brand-new BMW or a Mercedes. Uh, No, a Prius. A Prius. Yeah, come on. BMW burns gas, Mike. I'm sorry. Or a Tesla. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tesla. But they've got they've got every, they've got a certain segment of of the society convinced that they can create this utopia where everything is equal and and, and there's not going to be any more rich people. The rich are going to get eaten alive. They're going to have to pay their fair share and they're going to have to pay up to all the all the rest of you. They have been selling this 
they have been selling this line of bullshit for a long time now. That's right, absolutely. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that have bought into it that have have drank the Kool-Aid to the point of intoxication. And they actually believe still, even though even though they have been failed election after election cycle. The Democrats keep running on this stuff and you know go all the way back to LBJ's war on poverty. That's right. They've been doing this now for over 55 years. And what did LBJ famously said? Oh yeah. I'll have those in words voting democrat for 100 years. Yes, and he and he said it in front of a reporter nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Like it was no big deal. Narcissism. And the fact of the matter is I think that black Americans yeah. and Hispanic Americans, I believe that some of these some some of the minority cultures are starting to go, this is bullshit. It's none of this is happening the way we were told. And I, I can tell you, because I have encountered no less than a dozen black men and women in the last year, and probably no less than two dozen Hispanic men and women in the last year that have personally told me to my face. We do not support what these people stand for. This is not who we are. We're about our family. We're about preserving our culture. That's right. We're about we're, we're pro-American. We're I mean they they they're just like us, damn it. Yeah, they're human beings and they're Americans. Exactly. And and that's and, the problem. The problem is the people on the left the far left, especially, they want to put everybody in little categories. Yes, and you must be part of this community or that yeah. community or this and that. Oh, you got to no. check all the right boxes, or you don't fit in. No, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, you got to check all the right boxes. So I, I think I think America on the whole is, I think we're going through a really, <laughs> really difficult awakening right now in this country, and and unfortunately, there's going to be several more months of pain. Here, um, the one thing, and I, I just I, I don't want to get us off track here, but I I want to transition into something real quick here because it dovetails into all this discussion. Are you transitioning right here uh, live on the podcast? Well, try. <laughs> I was going to save this for later. Um, no, seriously, remember when transition used to mean something different? Yes, I do. <laughs> You're using it in the uh, traditional. Sense. I'm using the tra- I'm using transition in the in the traditional transitional essence. Um, there's a big worry right now, rightfully so, about inflation. And where where are we going to be in six months or a year? You know, we're looking at gas prices. Uh, you know, Biden kills the Keystone Pipeline project. Gas prices instantly start going up. Um, jobs, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs instantly wiped out. We're looking at inflation right now, and we're seeing it. It's being reflected at the grocery store, the gas pump, the housing market, the the insurance markets, the lumber yard, the lumber. I mean, if you if you want to build anything right now, if you got a quote six months ago, your quote's no longer valid. If you got a quote three months ago, your quote's no, no longer valid. Not at all. Now we're starting to see that level off. I think. Well, people are pushing back and going, "Hell, I just quit doing it." Yeah, like me, I have several small projects, I, relatively small. You know, yeah. Couple thousand dollars worth of materials that I'm mm-hmm. like, screw it, I'm not doing it. No, uh, I don't have to do it right now. I'm not doing it. Me, me too. Me too. I mean, there's there's two or three things I want to do. You know, that would a year ago, a year and a half ago, would have cost me three or four thousand right. dollars. Now they'd cost me eight or nine thousand. And you're not. It's, just, it's uh, not worth. It's it. not worth. It's not it. an emergency. No, yeah. it's not. It's not something I have to have. It's something I just want to have. It's stuff I want to do. 
So I'm putting the wants on the back burner until this thing levels off. I, I think, and I had this conversation with the president of our Chamber of Commerce, Henry Florsham, here in Wichita Falls a couple of weeks ago. He agrees with me. I think we are probably, in the short term, we're going to see this continue to trend upward. We're going to see inflation increase. Then about a year from now, things are going to start to level off a little bit, and we may see some of the air come out of it a little bit. But it's going to take a while for things to calm down. It's just going to take a while. Now, in the oil markets, the fuel, you know, all that stuff, the the the, pi, the pi, I guess the Keystone Pipeline now is just dead. I guess that's just a, a, a dead a dead horse, at least for the foreseeable future. But we cannot we cannot let let go of the fact that oil is king in this country, and we have got to continue. You, you there's nothing in this room around us right now, Trey, that doesn't require oil. No, nothing, yeah, nothing. And so we we can't lose sight of that. So. Don't people, and I think people are starting to awaken to the to the reality that, you know, what we can't do all this with wind and solar. We've got to have oil. We've got to drill. Wind and solar is just not efficient enough yet. No. 50 years from now, 100 years from now. Could be a different story. Be. Could be a different and, story. And, and that's why I'm okay with re- keeping to research the wind and solar. Yeah. The problem is we need to cut the government subsidies back down because that's what happened to our grid in Texas. One of the problems we had our grid in Texas well, when they had this massive demand that came in, yep. the government has subsidized wind and solar so much that we've pulled coal and natural gas-fired plants off of the Texas grid right. to, to go after this wind and solar subsidies, which I can't blame companies for doing that because they're making money. Yeah. It's bottom line. But it puts a well, strain on it because we don't. it doesn't produce enough. Trey, look at the individuals, the landowners the mad amount of money that's being made by landowners. Yeah. Just to let people put something on your land. Yeah. Now, what I wonder if people think about when they do that is, you know, they come out there and they pour this 40, 50, 60 foot, however big diameter concrete pad on your property. And 50 years from now, when that windmill is not there anymore, that concrete will still be there. Yeah, but most of those people are going to be dead. They don't care. Think about it. Yeah. If you're if you're old enough to own land right now, right. you probably don't care. No, but your your grandchildren who inherit it. Yeah, but or, are they going to stick or, around? Or the or, person who buys it. Are they going to have so much money that yeah. it doesn't matter? I, I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying that's probably a, the mindset yeah. is. You know, I the, think you're hurting the, the future value of your land. I, I agree with by you. By polluting it with something that will cost somebody else many thousands of dollars to get rid of. I tend to agree with you, but I think the inherent value of land, and I'm first generation off the farm. Yeah. Land meant everything. Land was your value. Land was your, your oh, sure. currency. My family wasn't wealthy. Neither side of my family had any money. Right. But they had land. Right. So that was their currency, and they valued the land. My grandparents valued that dirt. That mm-hmm. dirt meant everything, and the dirt moving to the future generation meant everything. And it meant a lot to my parents. Yeah. But frankly, it doesn't mean quite as much to me right? or our generation, I should say. Not maybe me personally, but our generation. And I think every generation that goes on, that dirt, that connection with that piece mm-hmm. of property and that land and the heritage – it's less and less. Well, that dirt was a priceless commodity to grandma and grandpa. Right. That you you couldn't you couldn't give them enough money to take it away well, from. Well, that's them. that's how they made their food. I mean, right. they, with that dirt, I will never go hungry as long as I own this dirt. That's right. Yeah. And that's that was the mindset. Right. Now, eh. Yeah. The kids nowadays, I'll never go hungry as long as I can get a hold of Grubhub or whatever. <laughs> yes. 
unfortunately, you're right. You're right. Well, I want to jump ahead to something here before we get much deeper into this podcast because I want to make sure we mention this because it's a timely thing. But as of the day that we're recording this podcast, June 30, uh, the former Secretary of Defense, twice the Secretary of Defense, by the way, uh, Donald Rumsfeld has died at the age of 88. That's right. And um, it was, yeah, I saw Rumsfeld on television back, uh, this would have been in 2019, and he was, he was they were at a, one of the uh, 9-11 memorials, I assume it was the one in New York, and he was standing right next to former President George W. Bush. And Rumsfeld was looking pretty feeble. Yeah. He was, you know, he's, he was 86 years old at that point. He's looking pretty feeble. But he was, I believe, uh, hello, should have turned the phone off. He was, I believe, Secretary of Defense under uh, Ford, Gerald R. Ford, and then again, of course, under George W. Bush. Bush. And he, he was a congressman. Uh, he worked in the private corporate world for a number of years. I think he ran a drug company. You know, I really, I didn't, um, I don't remember that part. I, I just remember him as Secretary of Defense. I can't, I can't remember which one it was, but it, it was. I think he ran, actually ran a drug company for a number of years too. He was a chairman of that. Sat on several boards. I mean, this guy had, this guy crammed five or six different careers into about a 30, 40 year period of his life. Right. It's hard enough for most people to cram one career into thirty or forty years of their life. This guy had at least five or six. You know, and a and a lot of it, yes, in politics. Um, but he was um, um, the the war in Iraq really damaged Donald Rumsfeld's reputation. Yeah, that's that's um, why that's one thing I wanted to talk about it. Um, I was trying to see if what all he did, General Instrument Corporation. Yeah. From nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety three. Yeah, and then he yeah he ran several colleges and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know the war, the war in Iraq slash Afghanistan. Yes, uh, Do- Donald Rumsfeld. I can remember watching an interview and Donald Donald Rumsfeld saying, "This is going to take a long time." Yeah, and that bothered me at the time because I thought, "Why, why, why aren't we going to go in there and kick ass and win?" Yeah. And I always had, honestly, I never was a huge Donald Rumsfeld fan. I I question. I felt like Donald Rumsfeld was too close to the the military industrial military complex. Yeah, people that were making a shit ton of money off of war. Yeah, and and for him when he made that comment that this is going to take a while, I thought, mm. why? We, yeah. We've got tons of bombs. Tons of ammunition, tons of technology. Why aren't we just going in there and wiping the floor with people? We, we've we have got to? the power, the technology, the the firepower, the manpower, and the technology necessary to basically kick the dog crap out of anybody we want to. Anybody that goes up against the United States of America has got to know it's potentially a suicide mission to take us on. Because we've got some of the best of the best of the best. We have invested a hell of a lot of money and a lot of stuff. Now, that said, you know, it was Dwight Eisen, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, then, then President Dwight D. Eisenhower, um, who I think he was the outgoing president at the time that he said this, 
that warned us about the military-industrial complex. He did. Absolutely did. And the dangers of that. And there's a lot of people on, on our side of the political spectrum and, and even further right than we are um, that, uh, believe it or not, there are people further right than we are, uh, but that believe that the, the idea behind standing armies is both unconstitutional and immoral, um, that we shouldn't have standing armies. Well, unfortunately, I think we live in a world where you cannot afford yeah. to not have a military that is ready to go at the drop of a hat. Now, the days of having to depend on, you know, when we, when we got into World War I, we were caught flat-footed. Oh, we really were. We, the, Finland had a bigger army military than we did. Yeah. World War II, at the beginning of World War II, it was kind of the same thing. You know, we're drafting guys literally by the boatload. Yeah. Literally by the boatload. Uh, do you really want to have to go back to a draft? Because if you don't have a standing army that's made up of people who have voluntarily signed their name on the dotted line and dedicated four years of their life to the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, or now Space Force, uh, then you really have no choice but to engage in a lottery draft. That's right. And then what you have is you have people that don't want to be there, don't choose yeah. to be there, and yeah, some of them are going to be okay, but then some of them aren't going to be worth a damn. And, and I hear what you're saying about Donald Rumsfeld and his statement. I hear what you're saying. Can you now? What do you think Americans' reactions would have been if in 19 if, if okay America was we were we were bombed by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor on December the seventh, nineteen forty one, just after eight o'clock in the morning. Date that we live in infamy. The next day, you've got FDR in front of a joint session of Congress asking for a declaration of war. If that night, if he had gone on the radio and to address the nation. And FDR had said, well, folks, we are now at war. And we are now at war on two fronts. We're at war in the Pacific and in the European theater. And it looks like this is going to take four or five years. If he had given people a timeline and said, this is, you know, we're going to be at war until at least 1945. Himself not even realizing that he wouldn't be here to see the end of it. That's right. What do you think the American people's reaction would have been to, the, to a statement like that? It'd been really bad, real negative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I think what Donald Rumsfeld did is he damaged the he damaged the ability of the White House and the Department of Defense to manage that war because when he said this is going to take a long time, essentially you're throwing a timeline down. You're saying, well, this could take two years, it could take ten years. We don't know. Well, okay, we've been at this now for how long? Well, and what it also tells me is this could be like another Vietnam. We're just going to go and do no, no. Exactly. Let's get in there. Let's kick people's ass and get out. Don't worry about taking names. Just kick their ass. Let's do what we have to do. If we're going after to root out terrorists, let's do. Yeah. I'm a big fan of us pulling a lot of people out of the Middle East. Now, I believe we need to keep a presence in the Middle East like at what, Bagram Air Force Base or some someplace that we own a huge amount of land, we've invested all that money, yeah. and say, okay, we're going to do this. But we, got, we, we, we to, have some real estate there. Then we need to go to each one yeah. of these Middle Eastern countries and say, look, we're going to fly drones and we're going to fly sorties into your country. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking. We're telling you. We're going to do this. And we're going to be looking specifically for terrorists and terrorist camps. And when we see them, we're not going to call you. We're not going to ask you. We're going to kill them. Yeah. We're going to bomb them and we're going to kill them. Right. And we're just telling you, this is how the shit's going to go down. But I, but Trey, I see. I don't think we have 
leadership. I don't think we had leadership in the Bush administration that had the uh, testicular fortitude for that. We didn't have the leadership in the Trump administration to do it either. No, we didn't. I mean, the fact of the matter is, it, it, it goes back to, and you've known me, I'm a big dude, and I'm a strong dude. I don't bully people. I don't believe in bullying people. Right. But at some point, when you have to say, this is how it's going to happen. Right. Because it's going to be better for everybody in the end. Got to lay down a little law. I don't, I, instead, it's the same thing as we had to do, the, and, and I support what we did embalming uh, the Japanese in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It killed a lot of people, but it saved a whole lot more lives, not only American lives, but Japanese lives by doing the right thing. It did. And that's kind of what we need to do over there in the Middle East, in my opinion, is have a presence, a quick reactionary force presence, not a huge one, not to occupy, but to fly around and to check things out and go, oh, there's a there's a terrorist camp, bomb it, done. Here's a terrorist cell, bomb it, done. Keep our people on the ground, keep our intelligence on the ground, and when we find it, we immediately react and kill it. Right. And be done with it and just tell everybody, this is how we're doing it. We're not asking permission. We're telling you how it's going to be. If I could have asked Donald Rumsfeld any one question, it would have been, would you have handled that differently back then? Because it's been 15, well, yeah, at least 15. What's it been? 15 years or more since he made, well, let's see, this is 21. Yeah, it was longer than that. 18, 19 years yeah. ago since he made those statements. Okay. Would you have done, would you, would you handle it different today? Or if you could go back in time, 18, 19 years and do it over, would you do it differently? I would love to know. Maybe somebody asked him that question. Maybe he answered it. I don't know. And it's really easy to sit here and go, well, I would have done it differently. And I believe I would have done it differently, but the reality is, I don't know. There are things, there's information I know that they're privy to that we're not. There are things about these situations that our military knows, our intelligence community knows, that the White House knows. There's all this information that they have that we will never see. That's right. And, and frankly, we don't need to see it. We don't need to know every damn detail of every damn thing that's going on. Totally down. agree with you. We don't. But, but I would love to be able to ask him. I, many, many years ago, I had to be 30, maybe, or close to 30 years ago. I got to meet General Paul Tibbetts. For those of you that don't know that name, that is the man who piloted the Enola Gay. Right. That is the plane that dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. Hiroshima. And he was then, uh, I think, Lieutenant or Captain Tibbetts at the time. And, and, I, and I asked the general, I said, um, sir, and yes, I called him sir, sir, um, do you have any regret whatsoever? about having dropped that bomb. And without pause, without hesitation, he said, absolutely not. No, he, he knew that he saved lives. He knew that he did the right and thing. That's what he said. He said, we knew, he said, we had all been, we had all been briefed on what the cost of ending this war was going to be. That's right. If we did it the conventional way, which would have been a massive land invasion, the likes of which we had never undertaken before. It would have made D-Day look like nothing. Oh, you're talking a million and a half plus troops landing on Main Island, Japan. And every man, woman, and child living in Main Island, Japan, taking up arms against it. Because they, they, they really believe they would, have been, they would have been fighting children in the streets. They, they would have, they, they would, you're right. I mean, that, that's, that was the math that they did. Yes. And they were right by doing it. And he was right by following it. And, and like I said, this is what we need to do in the Middle East. We need to cut the shit right. over there. We're trying to win hearts and minds. 
I don't care if these little if these groups want to kill each other. Let them kill each other. They've been killing each other since before America was even founded. Since Cain and Abel, they, they've been killing each <laughs> other for years. I don't care. Yeah, but I care when they start supporting the people that come and kill us. That's why right. we need to keep the war there. Right, keep it in their backyard, but do it smart and do it aggressively. Yeah, and take care of business. Well, uh, you know the story was that. Um, Donald Rumsfeld was in his office in the Pentagon on 9-11 when the plane crashed into, the, into that, uh, that outer ring of the, of the Pentagon. Um, the whole, of course, the whole building shook. Story is he, he jumps up. His assistant rushes him out. They go outside, and there's pieces of metal and aluminum fragments and, and pieces of debris everywhere on the grass and a plume of flame and smoke shooting up 30 feet in the air out of the top of the Pentagon. And they'd been watching the news about what just happened in New York, and they knew immediately this is a plane that hit this building. They they didn't even think, you know, this is another plane. we got to get the hell out of here. And, um, you know, the the first thing that popped into his mind was, where is the president, where is the vice president? Well, the vice president, the, the president was at a school in Florida, I believe it right. was. Reading. Reading to some school children. And then spent the next several hours in Air Force One just cruising all over the country until I think they finally landed in Louisiana. Yeah, they want to get him up in the air to make sure. You, 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 can't, you can't hit him when he's in the air. It's a lot harder to hit him in the, in in the, the air. air. And, of course, by that time, the vice president had already moved to the, to the bunker uh, underneath the White House. But, um, you know, I would, I would love to be able to ask Don Rumsfeld, would you do anything different today? Would you have even made a different statement than this is going to take a long time? Because I think that statement really threw a wrench in his, in his history that was being written at that time. I agree. It does. We're out of time on this show. we got a whole list of stuff to talk about, and we're going to pick it up with the next podcast. We're going to be talking about, um, well, the needs of the many – or, the, or a group outweighing the needs of the many and vice versa. And also these Olympic athletes, that's a topic we're going to cover yeah. on the next podcast. We'll get into that later. Guys, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being there. Tell your friends. Be sure to subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. Make sure you do that. And we'll be back next time with another Get It Right, Mike and Trey. Trey, I'll see you in a little while. Oh, see you next time.